This is the dimension of imagination. It is an area which we call the Riley and Kimmy Show. The Riley and Kimmy Show. And welcome to this Thursday episode, a throwback Thursday episode. Podcast number 1460. Right next to me is Jimmy. I got one name. Jimmy. Hello, everybody. Hi. Hi there. I am your host, Patrick Riley. I am the villain of the story. That is so true. And right next to me is the hero of this episode and all the episodes of the Riley and Kimmy show. A pretty face reflected in the mirror. So perfect in every way. With every move, the picture's getting clearer. She's got it all. She's got it made. Oh, she does. That's because she's with me here in the studio. That's right. It is Kimmy. Hello, Kimmy. Hello. And welcome to a Throwback Thursday. Oh, thank you. Are you ready to throw it back some? Throw it back? Yes. Go back in time. Yeah. Because that's what the Riley and Kimmy show is all about, right? Yes. Especially on a Throwback Thursday. Thursday is such a crazy, lazy day. Has his own peculiar way of saying hey. Sometimes Thursday almost makes you want to run away. Thursday is such a crazy, lazy day. Well, that's right. It's Thursday. And welcome to a Throwback Thursday where the Riley and Kimmy Show takes you back in time. That's what we do with every single episode, by the way. We focus on the world of nostalgia, retro. That's what we're all about. Memories and making new memories, correct? Mm-hmm. Tell your friends you found a place that's unique. That's right. Often imitated but never duplicated. It's the Riley and Kimmy Show with a daily show. Brand new show every single day. You can take us to work with you. That's what we're all about. Also offering escapism. Maybe uh, between classes, I can't recommend during class, or that commute to wherever, or if you just happen to be home. And by the way, we are just perfect for shut-ins, correct? Mm -hmm. If you know somebody seriously that is, you know, they got, well, maybe they're recovering from something, we are perfect for that. Absolutely. So tell them about us, you know, if they're doing that extended stay somewhere, and say, hey, you know, this is something a little bit different. You can enjoy it together because it's an all-age kind of show. That's right, for all ages, correct? Yes. It's a Riley and Kimmy show where we have archived episodes all available on our website. Also, you can help the show grow by following us on social media. That's like, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and others. And we have ways for you to easily take us along. Maybe you can listen to us on that tablet if you want, or smartphone, or laptop, or desktop, or whatever. You can listen to us on iHeartRadio, iTunes, SoundCloud, just to name a few. You can find all of those links on our website. What is our web address, Kimmy? RileyandKimmy.com Find archived podcasts of The Riley and Kimmy Show at RileyandKimmy.com They play nothing but rotten junk on that program. The Riley and Kimmy Show. 
That's a big question for this throwback Thursday. Does Kimmy want to go back in time to the thrilling days of yesteryear and challenge her brain cells with some pop culture trivia? What say you on this throwback Thursday? Oh, yeah, always. All right. One thing I need to point out, the timeline has been adjusted, meaning it is not running in chronological or linear order. It is wacky. It's a, it's all thrown all over the place. That's right. Sort of like uh, I am in the room, bouncing all over the walls. Feel free to shout out answers to Kimmy. She believes in time travel answers, so yell at whatever computing device you are listening to the Riley and Kimmy show on. It could be anything because we are mobile. We are global. Very first question we have for you, Kimmy, is, well, in the world of cinema... We're looking for the year you must be exact, no margin of error, and identify the film exactly, not its franchise name, and tell us who directed it. Wow, that's a lot of things. It premiered, its world premiere, was on this date in Los Angeles, California. Identify the movie with this very brief audio clue. Chewy, we're home. What is the film? The Force Awakens. That's correct. What year? No error. 2015. And who directed that film? Um, he did Star Trek before that. Oh, yeah. He stepped away from Star Trek to be part of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Who is he? Known for those flares, Kimmy, those camera flares. I know. I know who it is. I'm trying to give you every bit I know of clue and help. Come on, shout it out, Kimmy. Help her out. Don't you hear somebody How yelling? embarrassing. I can't you, you don't think hear of his somebody, name. You don't hear somebody yelling J.J. No, Abrams. J.J. Abrams. As somebody was yelling J.J. Abrams, Kimmy did not hear that. Film debuted on this date, 2015, yeah. and just around the corner is the new Star Wars film mm-hmm. are you looking forward to seeing that yes Ooh, are, are you going to see it opening weekend kimmy opening weekend yeah, yeah you're, mm-hmm. you're going to see the new star wars uh movie this weekend yes. this coming week you are you is that really do we have a pledge yes kimmy you actually want to see this movie that much that's amazing i, I am not opening night but this the opening weekend yes that's interesting i'm actually surprised by that now kimmy staying in the world of space it was on this date, 1962, the United States space probe Mariner 2 approaches a certain planet. It transmits information about the planet's atmosphere and surface temperature. 1962, what planet is this? Is it Venus, Mars, or the planet Pluto? Which of those three, which one is visited by Mariner 2? Venus. You're right. Venus, 1962. Staying in 1962, we're going to the world of music, though. I think your favorite category, this person's first single was released. Identify the recording artist. I got a mixture confusion. Man, and it's a killing me. Can you identify who that is? Bob Dylan. Yes, Bob Dylan mixed up confusion. I think that's an interesting example from 1962 because there are individuals who say, well, his sound changed after a motorcycle accident. It didn't. Mm. His, I mean, there is recordings, early recordings before the motorcycle accident. He sounded pretty much the same, I think. Now, there are different sounds that he can master, like Lay Lady Lay is totally mm-hmm. different than 
what we just played. Right. The year is 1966. This recording artist and actor has a film. It premieres, and he has a title track from a soundtrack that, well, he, he released an album with the film. Tell me who the recording artist is, the movie star. He's in the movie, and by the way, if you can uh, figure it out, this just happens to be the title to the film. Here is your clue. Never let her steer. If she can shake your nerve, boy, she can strip your ears. She'll get your heart going fast. Then she'll let you run out of gas. So spread out. Spread out. It is spin out. It barely hit the top 40. The song that is, it hit number 40 on the Hot 100. Tell me who the recording artist movie star is. Elvis. Have you ever seen Spin Out? No, I haven't. Now, the love interest in Spin Out was Shelley Fabre, who had just come off of being in that uh, thing with, uh, what's her name, the, the TV show. Remember that? Donna Reed. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So she comes from Donna Reed being the humble, sweet teenager to being an a love interest to Elvis Presley mm. in Spin Out. The year is 1966. This TV show has a couple of musicians on it, performers on it, two a set, two different ones. First one makes an appearance, our first clue that is, makes an appearance sticking his head out of a window. Tell me the TV show if you can. Donald, Cole, what are you doing here? Well, I came back to get some land we lost back in Hawaii. I'd like to sit here on the beach and chat with you all day, Don, but... The surf's coming up. We've got to catch a big one. Okay, fellas, I understand. Aloha. Aloha. Yeah, one of their weird, wacky moments from the window. Can you tell me the name of the TV show, Kimmy? Batman. Yes, 1966. Now, Don Ho made a little, you know, little uh, appearance there, but... There was a major act who was part of the show. They were recording artists. They had chart hits. Tell me the name of the band, and a villain steals their voice. That's what the whole episode's kind of about. Revolves around this uh, duo having their voice stolen. And we on distant shores. Long quiet hours of play sounds of tomorrow from can you tell me the name of the duo i don't know it's chad and jeremy can you tell me what villain steals chad and jeremy's voice uh catwoman oh yes we can cats can always see in the dark especially with these glasses Come on, kittens. We've done it. Yes, it's the Catwoman. I, you, you remember the episode, obviously. Mm, no, well, but I thought, you know, why cat cat's woman? got your tongue, cat's Ooh, got your voice. Now that's some thinking there. Yeah, yeah that, was, mm -hmm. th that was good. That was good. Now, we do own the Blu-ray set that you gave me as a gift. Uh, mm -hmm. You could watch that one. Right. Or you can watch it on MeTV. They run Batman on Saturdays. And Heroes and Icons, if you happen to be up very early, you want to set the DVR, runs a superhero cartoon or comic book set Saturday morning starting at 5 a.m. with the Green Hornet followed by The Adventures of Superman and then Batman and then Tarzan. Yeah, cool. Yeah, It's kind of a cartoon alternative in a way. Mm -hmm. I, I, I love that Saturday morning stuff with them. Moving to music, give me the year is 1968. This song is released. 
identify the song and tell me who had it as a hit. What is the name of that hit? Crimson and Clover. It was the biggest hit, the biggest single for whom? Is it Donovan? No, it's Tommy James and the Shondells. Now, the song would have various covers over the years. One from 1982 hit the top 10 on the Billboard Hot 100. Who had it as a hit? Who had that as a hit? Joan Jett. Yes, Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. Did it hit number one? No. It did not. It hit number seven on the Billboard Hot 100. Now, the Tommy James and the Shondells version hit number one. The year is what we're looking for, plus or minus of two. Identify this person who retired from NFL's Monday Night Football. Hello again, everyone. It's good to have you with us for this event. It figures to be an exceptional one, one that doesn't need any buildup. The rest of Monday night is given over to those gargantuan goliaths of the gridiron for that bouncing behemoth ballet known better as professional football. Who is that? Howard Cosell. Hello again, everyone. I'm Howard Cosell. Glad to have you aboard for NFL Monday Night Football here on ABC. We look forward to this game. As cold as it is, my colleagues are not as suitably garbed as I am. They are younger. What year did he retire within two years? 1975? 1984. Wow. Yes, give me the big wow there. 1984 is when Howard Cosell retired from the football thing. The year is 1986. This person recorded a live version of this song that would later be released as a single. Tell me the name of the song. Tell me the name of that song. Candle in the Wind. Candle in the Wind. Never knowing who to claim to when the rain set in. And who recorded that? Elton John. That's right. The year is 1991. This person has an album that debuts at number one on the Billboard Pop album charts. Now, the title track was going to be the final release of the album, but this person got in a little bit of trouble. There was controversy surrounding this individual with allegations that were hitting the headlines and tabloids, so they could not release the title track as a single in the United States. They did not release it. But that album had quite a few hits on it, including this number one hit, Tell Me, the name of the recording artist, and bonus points, if you can tell me the name of that album. Black 
Can you tell me whose album was released on this date? Michael Jackson. Actually debuts at number one on this date. You're correct. Now, bonus points if you can tell me the name of that album that uh, was number one. Mm, No. The single they would not release was Dangerous. That's the title track. That's the album, Dangerous. Because, Mm. you know, some things were going around in 1991, 92 time period. So they're like, ah, no, we'll stay away from that one. The year is 1999. (laughs) This person announces he's retiring from a certain comic strip. Kimmy, can you tell me the name of the person who is retiring from a certain comic strip and tell me who it is? Charles Schultz. Yes. And the comic strip? Peanuts. That's right. And he said he was retiring. It was 1999. The final original strip was February 13th, 2000. When did he pass away? 2005. He passed away February 12th, 2000, the day before the final strip was published. Wow. Celebrity and notable birthday time. Let's see if you can identify this person. We have, well, a couple of clues here to help you. Born on this date in 1908, died at the age of 87 in 1996, actor and comedian, best known for a role on a certain classic TV show. Identify the TV show. The Dick Van Dyke Show. Yeah, you're right. The Dick Van Dyke Show. Now, he played one of the writers on camera, that is, on the show... Tell me who he is. Gee, thanks, Rob. Tell you one thing, boy, you're going to make two people very happy. Me and that big hairy ape. <laughs> now, look, it's as simple as that. I want to leave the show. Understand? I want to... Look, look, I'm going. Watch me. Look, look, I'm... Bye, I'm going. <laughs> Can you tell me who that is? Maury Amsterdam. Yes, bonus points if you can tell me the name of the character he played. Oh. Bonus points. Oh. It was Sally and whom that worked for Rob. Oh, Sally and... Sally and whom? The one that didn't get along with Mel. Mm-hmm. Who, by the way, Mel would not release him from his contract, even though they hated each other. He he had to keep him on the show, even though he resigned. He would not release him. He had to stay working there because Alan Brady thought he was the best. Mm. Well, he was married to Pickles. Very good. And he had a big dog. What's his name? Yeah, you cannot tell me his name. I can't. At all. Buddy Sorrell. Ah, yeah, yeah. And if you want to see something that's kind of weird, they kind of had that chemistry going from the show. They tried to carry it on to film. He and Rosemary, who played Sally, co-starred in a 1966 film called Don't Worry, We'll Think of a Title. It was a comedy co-written and co-produced by Amsterdam. The film has some... TV characters of the time period or actors from TV shows of the time period has Richard Deacon, the guy who played Mel. He makes some appearances in it. Danny Thomas is in it, and so is Carl Reiner. And it it is painful for me to watch. Mm. But it's weird to watch just to see this thing unfold. I believe Movies Network runs it from time to time. You might be able to find it online. I'm not sure. Moving back to trivia, Dan Daly, I know you have no clue who that is. He's part of Forgotten Hollywood, born on this date, 1915, died 1978 at the age of 62, and is an American dancer and actor. He is best remembered for a series of popular musicals. He made it for 20th Century Fox and 
for a number of years, movie exhibitors voted him among the most popular stars in the country. 1949, he was ranked number 19th, and 1950, 21st in the United States. Next person recording artist, born on this date, 1932. He crossed over from country into top 40. Tell me who the person is, Kimmy, with his number one hit from 1973, number one on the country, and the top 40 charts. Hey! Did you happen to see the most beautiful girl in the world? And if you did, was she crying, crying? I have a feeling you're going to say the person's wrong last name. You're going to get the first name right, but I have a feeling you're going to say the wrong last name. Who is it? I was going to guess Charlie Rich. You got it right. I thought you were going to say Charlie Pride. It is Charlie Rich. Born on this date, 1932. Died 1995 at the age of 62. Next person, actress. See if you can do this one with these clues. Born 1935. Died 1991 at the age of 55. She was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Actress for the 1962 film Days of Wine and Roses. She played opposite of Jack Lemmon. If you remember, they were a drinking couple. She made her film debut in 1957 in A Face in the Crowd. She is quite young. Marries Lonesome Rhodes. That's Andy Griffith's character. She's known for The Omen in 1976. She plays, well, not his birth mother, but she plays his mom. She plays Damien's mom. Acts opposite Gregory Peck. I love her in a film from 1962 that is called Experiment in Terror that she's in. And she's in a fantastic movie before that I highly recommend. I know Kimmy's never seen this one. It is a plus. I have it on her list to watch. It's called Anatomy of Murder. Jack's on screen with Jimmy Stewart and George C. Scott. It is a fantastic film. So good, matter of fact, it's about... It's a, it's a legal drama. It is so good that for years, they used to have that film as an example in law schools. Hmm. It's not boring either. It's a, You might think oh, that's going to be a really boring thing. No, 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 not at all. Can you tell me who the actress is born on this date, Kim? Oh, I can see her. Born um, 1935. It's not Anne Margaret. No, it's not. Um, It's, um, I can't think of her name. Lee Remick. Lee Remick. Born on this date. Next person, see if you can identify who it is. Born 1946, actress, child actress, but moved to adult acting at one time. Married to John Astin from 1972 to 1985. And she won the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress in The Miracle Worker. She played, or portrayed, Helen Keller in the 1962 film. Who is it? Patty Duke. That's right. What is the big TV show she was a star of? Um, the twins thing. Um, Okay, Kimmy, that is the only clue we're going to offer you. Can you tell me the name of the TV show she starred in from 1963 to 1966? The 
Patty Duke show? Yeah, the Patty Duke show. She played Patty Lane, and uh, it might be a surprise here. She actually played Kathy Lane, too. Mm. Yeah, she played really? Both. Yeah, she played both of them. Oh. I know. 104 episodes, she did that. Now, can you tell me what that TV show was actually influenced by? What movie... A movie had done something similar, and the TV exec said, hey, we can do this, and we've got this perfect vehicle for Patty Duke to walk into TV. Can you tell me the... Parent Trap. Yeah, Parent Trap. You're correct. And if you want to see her in some things a little bit different, you can catch her on Match Game. They occasionally run her on Match Game on Buzzer TV. She was part of the, you know, celebrities. And she was on Tattletales uh, with John Astin. It's kind of weird. Uh, You can check. Also, a way different role for her, 1971's Night Gallery. Uh, she plays, well, I'm not going to spoil it. The cool part, she acts opposite David Wayne, who played the Mad Hatter in Batman. That's 1971's Night Gallery. And if you're a fan of MeTV, they're running uh, Hawaii Five-O, six 6 o'clock evenings, Eastern Standard Time. You might catch her in an episode from 1973, Season 5, called Thanks for the Honeymoon. That is Patty Duke, born on this date. I see dead people. Notable deaths, Kimmy. Identify who this person is that passed away on this date in history. 1799, the first president of the United States dies. Tell me who it is. George Washington. Yes. Was he in his 60s, 70s, 80s, or 90s when he died? Um, hmm. 60s? He was 67 years old when he passed on. Tell me why this person is famous. Roger Maris. He dies at the age of 51 on this date. Did he play baseball? He sure did. Part of the New York Yankees. Moving further down the list, tell me why this person's famous. Myrna Loy passes away on this date. She was an actress. Right, dies at the age of 88. You might remember as Nora Charles in The Thin Man in 1934 and a ton of films in the 30s and 40s. 2003, Jean Cray passes away. What is she known for? Uh, actress? Oh, she's guessing, but she's right. She received an Academy Award nomination for Best Actress in the 1949 film Pinky. She played the leading role in Pinky. By the way, Pinky was 20th Century Fox's top-grossing film of 1949. It was the second most popular film of the year, 1949. It is not, you might think by the title, a comedy. It was a controversial film. During its time period, uh, there were people that tried to block its release. A lot of complaints about it. I highly recommend checking out this film, which deals with the subject of race. That is Pinky. 2006, this person dies at the age of 57. Actor and producer, director, writer, Kimmy. He created a certain TV show, but before he created a show, he starred on a certain series. Tell me the name of the show. Can you tell me the name of the TV show? The Jeffersons. That's right. He played the son. He was the the bulk of the time. He was the actor who played the son. He played it on the Jeffersons and also on All in the Family. He would step away because of this TV show that he created and then come back and take over the role. Can you tell me the name of his character? The actor is Mike Evans. He played the son to George in Wheezy. (laughs) 
Mom, Pops, look, could I get by without a hassle tonight? I was wrong about school and everything. I'm sorry, okay? Hey, Pop. Well, uh, I'm gonna go upstairs and talk to Jenny. <laughs> hey, but you know something, Mom? It ain't all that hard to get turned around. Especially when you're getting your brains beat out. Can you tell me the name of his character? Lionel. That's right, Lionel Jefferson. Now, he created a TV show. He was co-creator, that is, and writer of a show from 1974 to 1979 that aired on CBS. Tell me the name of the TV show. Not getting hassles, not getting hustled, keeping your head above water, making a way when you can. Temporary layoffs. What is the name of that show? Good time. Good time. In a town you need a payment. Good time. Times, co-created by Mike Evans, who passed away on this day 2006 at the age of 57. Tell me why this next person is famous, why they're on this list. Peter O'Toole dies at the age of 81. He was an actor. That's correct. He holds the record for the most Academy Award nominations for acting without a win. That's without a win. Peter mm. O'Toole. Kimmy, I think you did a fantastic job with trivia. And we're going to honor something we talked about on Trivia with the Golden Age of Radio. Radio was new. Radio. Someone still loves you. And that's the Riley and Kimmy Show. Anytime we go back in time to the Golden Age of Radio, we take that opportunity. We mentioned actor Dan Daly, born on this date in 1913. We have two examples of his golden age of radio work. The first one's called Six Feet Under from 1950. The plot, a man is buried alive every day at a carnival sideshow. He suspects his wife is having an affair, and his wife and her lover will turn off his air pump that keeps him alive. Six Feet Under from 1950, followed by Over the Bounding Main from 1950. A man battles the captain of a charter fishing boat and his wife as they try to kill him. Both are suspenseful, thrilling, action-adventure types of episodes, starring Dan Daly. Kicking it off, Six Feet Under from 1950. Here's Dan Daly on The Riley and Kimmy Show. You'll never know what it's like down there. You're six feet under ten hours a day without food or water. With that light on your face so the yokels can pay their dimes and stare down at you. It's like being dead, only you know what's going on. The pump that feeds the air down to you seems to be keeping time with your heartbeat. And you can't help thinking that if it ever stops, the heartbeat will stop with it. You get a lot of time to think down there. Think of all the things that can happen. When the show closes for the night and they dig you up, you head for the nearest bar to forget all the crazy things you've been thinking. 
Yeah, what'll it be? Double whiskey beer chaser. Hey, you with the carnival? Yeah. Must be interesting. What do you do? Got a sideshow. Fill us up, will you? Sure. What's your trick? Sword swallower? Now I roll over and play dead. Oh, you're the guy that's buried alive. Yeah, I saw you this afternoon at the matinee. Took the kids over. Yeah? What are you raising? A couple of undertakers? Oh, I didn't take them into your tent. Seemed kind of a morbid thing for kids. But not for you. Huh? What do you mean? Skip it. How about hitting this glass again? Okay. Now that people see that act of yours, the tent was crowded. I kind of thought it'd be different. How different? Well, paying a dime ahead just to look down at you through that glass. It's not a bad racket you got there. Yeah, big, fat, happy racket. Not tough like standing behind a bar and breathing and eating and moving whenever you want it. Well, if you think it's so hot, dig yourself a hole and pull up a cough and nobody's stopping you. You want another drink, call me. Just leave the bottle. I'm still alive. I can pour my own. Do it yourself, friend. They were all the same. They paid a dime to look at you down there. But if they saw you later above the ground, they acted like you were cheating them. Like you owed it to them to stay buried or they weren't getting their money's worth. I used to do another act. A juggling act. An act that took me years of sweat and practice to learn. But nobody came to see that. I had to learn a dog's trick to make a living. You had to trust people. People you wondered about. Hello, Jack. Get lo- looking for you. Go on, get lost, Cliff. Don't follow me around. Miriam sent me out to find you. She knows where I am ten hours a day. That's more than most wives know. If Miriam was my wife. I'd spend a little time with her. You spend quite a little time with her as it is, Cliff. Quite a little time. You're talking through that bottle, Jack. Miriam and I are old friends. Yeah, I heard about it lots of times. You were a stage door Johnny when she worked on burlesque, weren't you? I used to laugh about you. That was before you came to work for us. But now I don't laugh anymore, Cliff. Now I wonder. You're drunk. Am I? What's a guy like you doing around a carnival, Cliff? You were a big shot accountant with a good business. And all of a sudden, you chuck everything to learn to be a barker for a pitch like mine. And to dig me out of that hole every night. I'm not complaining. Why should you? Because I figure you got to have a reason, Cliff. I figure that maybe some night you're going to forget to dig. Oh, you're being ridiculous, Jack. Sure. Only you still haven't told me why you joined the show, Cliff. That's my business. Well, never mind. I'll tell you. Because you're in love with Miriam and it's killing you to see her married to me. All right, Jack. That's part of it. Sure, I love Miriam, but that isn't what's killing me. A bad heart is the thing that's killing me. What do you mean? I chucked my business and joined the show because I've only got about a year to live. Miriam is the only thing in the world I care about. I wanted to be near her. That's a very touching story, pal. What am I supposed to do, break down and cry? Jack, I'd do anything to see Miriam happy. And if it meant killing you, I could do it without batting an eye. Because I've got nothing to lose. I want you to know that. That's good, Cliff. Now we understand each other. Have a drink. I don't want one. Oh, well, this ain't just an ordinary drink, Cliff. This is a toast to one of us. To the guy who buries the other one. For good. It was a fool thing to do. A mistake. Because he'd play his cards close on now. If I told him to pack up and get out, he might take Miriam with him. And I was crazy about Miriam. Something was wrong between us, but I was so crazy about her. I had to know. I had to wait and find out if he could take her from me. And that meant I had to keep him around. And every day, he'd have me helpless down there in that hole like a baby. <laughs> <laughs> 
I didn't want to drink anymore. I went back to the tent and tried to sleep, but I kept having that same dream over and over again. Not a picture dream, but a dream in sound. The sound of that air pump that kept me alive down there. It got slower and slower, and then it stopped. And I woke up choked. I jumped out of bed. Jack! Yeah. Jack, Jack, is that you? Yeah, yeah, Miriam. You go back to sleep. Something wrong, dear? Oh, I had a dream, that's all. Go back to sleep. Oh, well, maybe if I made you... I don't want any hot milk. I'm going out for a while. Jack, I hope you're not... Where would I get it this time of night? I'm not going to drink to save the lecture. You don't have to snap at me like that. That's all you've been doing lately. Have I? Well, nobody's died from it so far. I don't get you at all. Don't you? Well, maybe you're not trying hard enough. I'm going for a walk. Jack! Jack! I walked around the grounds. The moon was doing trick things with the shadows around the tents and the pitch signs along the midway. I loved it. A cheap two-bit carnival, but I loved it. When Miriam and I were first married, I used to dream about owning the work someday. Yeah, I was going to do big things. Clean up with a juggling act, then write the Becker brothers and offer to buy them up. The Ferris wheel, the rides, the whole show. I was going to own the world. But instead, I wound up with six feet of it. They could dig me up out of that hole every night, but I couldn't dig my dreams up anymore. Finally, I went back to my own tent and slept until showtime. Miriam was gone when I woke up, so I walked over to our pitch. I was going to pull a flap and go in, but then I heard her talk on the cliff, so I listened. He won't have to stand it after tomorrow night. He'll be away from here. Things will be different. You're sure you want to do this for me, Cliff? I want you to be happy. He suspects something. I know it. If he finds out... He won't find out. Not until tomorrow night. And when he does, it'll be too late. He won't be able to do anything about it. You love your wife and you stand outside a tent and hear her planning to murder you. It wasn't only Cliff. It was her, too. And I knew right then what I had to do. I had to kill them. I had to kill the both of them. And tonight, right away. It wasn't only Cliff, it was Miriam, too. It was like getting hit in the stomach when you didn't expect it. You love your wife and you stand outside a tent and hear her planning to murder you. I walked around the grounds in a daze. I tried to tell myself that I was wrong, but your own ears can't lie to you. Jack! Oh. Hey, Jack! Oh, uh, hello, Bonnie. Yeah, I've been screaming my head off at you. You hypnotized or something? Sorry, Bonnie, I was thinking. Oh, call for Cliff on the phone in the office wagon. You want to take it for him? All right. Hello? Uh, this is Morton at Transcountry Airlines. I have your reservations confirmed. Oh, oh, good. <laughs> Two seats on the midnight plane to Chicago tomorrow night. Th thanks a lot. I know you said you'd come in to pick up the tickets this afternoon, but I wanted to call and let you know it's confirmed. I'm glad you did. You'll never know how glad. <laughs> Just part of our service there. I'll hold the tickets for you. Now, you're going to enough trouble. You can cancel the tickets. 
And I thought... I'm you... changing somebody's mind. Nobody's going to Chicago tomorrow night. Nobody. When you see something coming and you know it's too late to stop it, you get calm. You watch it like it was happening to somebody else. I had to kill them. I had to kill the both of them. Tonight after the show. After they brought me up. I'd have ten hours down there to think of a way. I went into the tent and watched Cliff getting the hole ready for me. I wanted to laugh. Is this all right now? Yeah, that's deep enough. Cliff, I want that speaking tube hooked up today. What's the matter? Getting lonesome down there? I thought you didn't like to talk to the customers. Today I feel sociable. I had a glimpse into the bright and cheery future. Hook it up. You're the boss. Where's Miriam? Getting a new roll of tickets from the wagon. And there's a crowd out there on the midway cliff. Calliope going and the merry-go-round and all. Can she hear my buzzer? Well, why wouldn't she? It's hooked up right from the box to the ticket cage. But you never use it, so what difference does it make? It could make a big difference if nobody was in the tent and the air shut off on me. A big difference. Let's check it. There's a button in the box. Press it. Connor's just outside the flap. We can hear it from here. Are you pressing it? You see me, don't you, Cliff? I, I don't hear anything out there. Neither do I. There must be a, a loose wire or something. No, Cliff. It's the batteries. Because I checked while you were digging and the batteries are gone. Uh, oh, that's right. I, I forgot. When we were moving from the last town, my flashlight went dead. I, I borrowed the buzzer batteries. But you forgot to put them back. Oh, I'm sorry, Jack. It slipped my mind. You never used a buzzer, so I didn't think of it. You thought of it when we needed the batteries. Jack, I tell you it was a mistake. That's all. Look, the midway's opening up. There's no time to start an argument. Yeah. Yeah, there'll be time for that later, tonight. We can talk it over tonight, Cliff. That suits me. Come on. Let's lower the box. All right. I'll go get a new set of batteries. You might as well climb down, slide into the box. I'll cover you when I get back. I lit a cigarette. My hands were wet and shaking. Suppose he didn't wait until tomorrow night. Suppose this was it. I couldn't tip my hand by refusing to go down, but I had to make sure I'd come up again, just this once. He'd be gone a couple of minutes, long enough. I ducked out of the tent and across the midway to the pitch of old Anna, the fortune teller. Oh! Why are you so jumpy about Annie? You like, act like you've been seeing ghosts. I was communing with other worlds. Save that for the suckers. I want you to do something for me. I want you to promise, and I don't want you to forget. Is it evil thing? No, no, Ann, it isn't evil. When we shut down at night, I want you to come over to the tent, that's all. I want you to hang around there until Cliff digs me up, understand? Beware of lower world, Jack. Evil things lurk there. Promise me, Anna. I promise. But let me read your fortune in the cards. It only takes a minute. There's no time. Besides, you read it to me on the train the other night. Was there something there you didn't tell me? Are you trying to frighten me with a sucker pitch? There was evil. The death cards were around you. They were all around you. Shut up, you old fool. Just come over to the tent tonight. That's all I want from you. That's all. I had to grab a hold of myself. A crazy old woman with a deck of greasy cards. I'd been with tent shows too long to let a thing like that get me. I went back to the tent, got down into the hole, and slid into the box. Cliff lowered the narrow view shaft that the customers looked through. I fastened it to the hole just above my face. Then he started to shovel the dirt on top of me. 
I could hear it hitting the box. There isn't another sound like it in the whole world. Then it was all done. Cliff looked down at me through the glass, and the smile on his face made me cold. Then he was gone, and I was alone with the sound of the air pump. In a few minutes, the customers started to come in, and it wasn't so bad. If anything went wrong, they'd be able to hear me through the speaking tube, just as I could hear them. Come on, Mother. Come on, look at it. Oh, you love it. Give me the creeping wiggler, Well, you're the one who wanted to come in. Come on, it can't hurt you. Look, you can talk to him right through this here hoop, Nanny. Well, can you hear me down there? Yeah, I can hear you. Uh, is it... Well, are you... All right? Yeah, yeah, I'm all right. Yeah, see, just like I told you, there's nothing to it. That's all we see for our money? Sure, the whole darn thing's a gift. Well, so long down there. We'll all join you someday, sooner or later. Oh, Dad, what a thing to say. They give you a little more for your money, though. That's the way it was. Hour after hour, face after face, until all the faces blurred and ran together. Their voices came down with the same questions and the same disappointed wisecracks. But they kept paying and they kept coming. It was getting on to late afternoon because the crowd was beginning to thin out. Everybody would be headed home for dinner by 5.30, and the gang working on the midway would knock off and go to the commissary tent for chow. At 6.30, the crowd would drift back again. The big crowd with the men home from work. And by the time they were gone, old Anna the fortune teller, my insurance policy, would be standing by, and Cliff would have to dig me out whether he wanted to or not. I was glad to see the crowd go for a while. It gave me the next hour alone to think and plan things out. Then it hit me. The next hour alone. I'd forgotten that part of it. I looked up. There were no faces in the viewing glass. I felt around with my hand and I found the buzzer button in the ticket cage. I pressed it again and again, but Miriam didn't come. Sure. This was it. They were up there now getting ready to do whatever they were going to do. Then they'd walk away over to the commissary tent. And they'd eat and laugh. Nobody'd suspect them. It'd be an accident. I tried to think of something else. They wouldn't have the nerve to go through it. And then I knew I was wrong. Because all of a sudden, there was complete silence. Somebody had cut off the air pump. I twisted and turned, and I pushed against the lid of the box like a madman. But it didn't budge. There was more than a ton of earth on top of me. Pressure on my chest increased. I couldn't breathe. Flashes of red and blue color were whirling around in my head. I looked up, gasping for air. And there was a face staring down at me. A child's face. See my baby turtle, mister? What are you doing down there, mister? Kid. Kid, get somebody quick. Go outside and get some help. I'm smothering. Don't just stare at me. Call somebody. You hear me? Stop looking at me. Get somebody. He kept staring at me, his eyes wide and frightened. He moved his mouth once. He was frozen with fear. And all of a sudden, his face was gone. He was gone. I made one last hopeless try at the lid, and then suddenly I didn't care anymore. I relaxed. All the colors in the world exploded in my head. Then they all ran together. There was a roaring sound, and everything went black. I 
came out of it slowly. The pump was going again. The beat of it keeping time with the throbbing in my head. And they were digging for me. I could hear the sounds of the shovels in the earth. And then finally against the wooden top of the box. There we are. Give me a hand. Hey, you all right, Jack? Yeah. Yeah, I'm okay. All right, I'll boost. Come on, put up there. Boost. All right, all right. Lay me on. I'm, I'm all right. Jack, I'm come all... over to my tent and sit down. There is evil here. I don't want to sit down. Where's Miriam? Where's Cliff? Somebody went for them to the commissary, and they will be here soon. Yeah, soon. But it wouldn't have been soon enough. Lucky thing I spotted that kid running out of here. He's been sneaking into shows. He saw the air pump motor out and back and turned it off while he was fooling around with it. You figure that's the way it happened, huh? Out of here. Jack, what are you on top for? What happened? Take your guess, Miriam. There was an accident. Some kid shut off the motor for the air pump. See, Miriam, that's all it was. Just an accident. Nobody to blame. Jack, I should have been here. Yeah, maybe you should have. You could have kept that kid out of the tent. It would have worked out better. Where's Cliff? Around, I don't know. You could have been killed down there. That's what I figured, too. I could have been, but I wasn't. Don't worry about it, baby. It won't happen again. It won't happen to me again. It was my game now. I was up walking and breathing. It was my game. I played the tender husband. I wasn't going to show my cards now. That came later. When she calmed down, I kissed her. Then I went looking for my last answer. The kid who had turned off a motor. There were kids all over the place, all looking the same, the way kids do. But I'd remember his face. You're bound to remember a face when it might have been the last one you'd ever see. Then I spotted him going into the house of fun. I nodded to the ticket taker and went in after him. I caught him in the room with the tilted floors and grabbed him. Oh, mister, let me go. Take it easy, kid. You won't get hurt. I didn't do nothing on it. Why'd you turn that motor off? I was just fooling with it and it stopped, that's all. I didn't know what it was. Who told you to turn it off? Nobody. Let me go. Stop, kid. Tell me the truth or I'll, I'll, and I'll give you a buck. Tell me! Tell me who told you! Stop biting me and tell me! Oh! Oh, come my Pop, he'll fix you! Let me go! I'll let you go when you answer me. What do you want me to say? A man told you to turn that motor off, didn't he? No, no! I, I mean, yes! All right, yes. kid, all right. Here's your dollar. went into town and drank until the show closed down, until I was sure they'd all be asleep. Then I went to the first aid wagon and nosed around until I found what I wanted. A can of ether. Cliff was bigger than I, much bigger, and I had to be sure. I soaked a handkerchief in the stuff, and then I let myself into Cliff's tent. He was lying there, quietly. He was sleeping. He wasn't making a sound. I crept over to him and pushed the handkerchief over his mouth and nose. I held it there. Held his face right into it. He didn't even murmur. And when I let go after a while, his head dropped back. He was out. I picked him up and carried him to the pitch tent. I put him down in a box. And then I shoveled the dirt in on top of him. I left the air pump running. I wanted Miriam to see him down there. Him instead of me. Then I could stop it waiting up for me when I was back together. Well, 
it's about time you got that. I've been worried sick about you. Worried about me, baby? That's silly. I can take care of myself. That accident this afternoon. I'm still shaky. Yeah, I can see why you would be. Jack, there's been something wrong with us. Maybe it's my fault. I want to straighten it out. Everything will be straightened out all right real soon. Come on. Let's go for a little walk. But it's after midnight. I know, but I got a surprise for you. Something I want you to see. What is it? Over at the pitch tent. Come on. She came. I had to hand it to her. She was playing the act of the hilt, just like nothing was wrong. I took her arm and held it tight. Good and tight. So she couldn't turn and run. And we went into the pitch tent. Well, what's the surprise? Kind of dark in here. There's enough light down in the box. Go ahead. Take a look. The hole. It's filled in. Yeah. The show has a new star for a one night stand. Go ahead. Look. Jack, what the. No. No, no. Yeah. Yeah, baby. Yeah. How do you like it now? That's the way I was today when that motor cut off. Get him out. Get him out. Oh, it's my turn to cut the pump off. Only nobody will be able to fix it this time. Oh, don't you please. Sure. I just ripped these wires out and he gets what I. I almost got you. You killed him. Oh, why? I knew, I knew what you were up to. You'll ever take that midnight play tomorrow. You'll ever run away with him now. I wasn't running away with him. The tickets were for us. You hear me? For you and me. Well, there you forgot to tell me about it, baby. I couldn't. Cliff was lending us the money to buy the show. He said he'd be mine anyhow someday. I wanted to do it for you because I loved you. Because I hated what's been happening to you down there. Why would he want to help me? Because he loved me, that's why. And he knew you were all I care about. He sent my money for the show to Becker Brothers yesterday, and we were supposed to fly up tomorrow night to sign the papers in Chicago. You're lying. No. Yeah, yeah no, you're lying. No. You're lying or you just told me. Would you believe me? Would you believe anybody? Do something! Do something! The shovels. The shovels, Miriam. Where are they? Quick. Help me. Miriam, dig. Dig. Help me. Dig. Dig. That's it, Sheriff. You'll never know what it's like down there. You have nothing to do but thinking. Well, you get to thinking crazy things. That's why it happened. And when we got to him, he was dead. I see. Mm -hmm. If you want to have that piped up as a confession, I'll sign it. Isn't much good there to do. My deputy that came in a while ago gave me a copy of the coroner's report. Cause of death, coronary thrombosis. His heart, no strangulation. He was already dead when you stopped that air pump. He was dead even before that, before you give him the ether. You mean Jack didn't kill him? Not according to the coroner. Death from natural causes. Uh, then you're not, you're not going to charge me with murder? You can't murder a dead man, mister. Just like you can't lock a man up for being a fool. Oh, Jack. Jack. It's all right, baby. You heard him. They can't do anything to me for being a fool. Tonight, Autolite brings you Over the Bounding Main. A suspense play starring Mr. Dan Daly.
heaven's sakes, Marty. When are you going to put a light in this garage? Sorry, honey, I forgot. You forgot. You forgot. Too bad you can't forget to wake up some morning. Look, just because you had a couple too many drinks at the Warrens, you don't have to get nasty. I had too many. Are you kidding? I watched you. Don't think I didn't. Oh, come on. Let's go in. I've got to be downtown early. For what? Because you can make enough to buy a house at Catalina like the Warrens? Get a new car? There's a little thing called money. But you wouldn't know. You've got to find the right job. Are we going to go over that again? Yes, we're going over that again. I'm ashamed when I go out. Did you see what she was wearing? Keep your voice down, the neighbors. You say that again and I'll kill you. You'll be sorry in the morning. I'll be sorry, all right. Sorry like every other morning. Because you'll be here. In just a moment, Mr. Dan Daly in the first act of Over the Bounding Maine. And now with Over the Bounding Maine and the performance of Mr. Dan Daly, Autolite hopes once again to keep you in suspense. don't need a rest. I certainly do, Marty. I'm so tired of this lousy apartment, I could scream. So scream and let the neighbors have some fun. I'm sick of them, too. The Warrens were darn nice to invite us. I didn't say we can't go. You never say anything anymore, or do anything, either. You're sure in a swell mood tonight. I should have stayed downtown. In which joint? Lay off. I'm tired. From what? You're not working. Now, don't start that again. You know I'm looking. Looking? Can I live on nothing? Look at these clothes. I'm ashamed to go out in the street. Now tell me how much better off you were when you were married to that wise operator, Lou. I was. At least I owned shoes without holes in them. Yeah. Lou Barris was just a little dream man. Just so ginger peachy, you could hardly wait to leave town with me. The day I divorced Lou, I wondered if I was making a mistake. And the day after I became Mrs. Martin Evans, I knew I had. You're going to be a lot of fun on this fishing trip. Don't tell me we're going, after all. I can stand a vacation, too. They call it the Pacific Ocean. It means peaceful, which is something I could use right now. I guess a lot of it was my fault. I wanted the right kind of a job, and it was hard to find. Ever since Claire had got rid of Lou Barris, her ex, we'd been living pretty close, and Claire wasn't used to it. The Warrens made it worse. They were well-heeled, and I was supposed to keep up with the Warrens. I knew I couldn't ever do it. Maybe Claire knew it, too. Claire had got the invitation for us to go with the Warrens to Catalina, so now we were driving down 22nd Street and San Pedro to the landing. It was nearly 6 in the morning, and you could see a light fog drifting in the harbor. Don't forget to lock it. Sure. Look out for the fishing rods, will you? You better give me the keys. You're so careless. I won't lose them. I know you. All that junk in your pockets, you'll lose them. Don't worry. I will. Why don't you let me hang on to them? We'll be in a nice mess if we... we... All right, all right. Here they are. Thank you, dear. I guess we're the first ones here. I don't see Bob's car. Oh, I forgot to tell you. We're meeting them at the Isthmus. On the island? Yeah. They've been there all week. You didn't say anything about it. I thought... For Pete's sake, what difference does it make? If you're worrying about chartering a boat to get us there, you can stop. It's all arranged. Bob's paying for it. They know you're broke. Sure, you blabbed that to everyone. I was a great guy when I had it. Well, you lost it, so let's not talk, shall we? That's okay with me. That must be the boat down there. The Pelican. Is that the name? I think so. Yeah, that's it. Watch your step. 
Why the devil do you wear shoes like that on a fishing trip? Because they're all I have. Hello? Anyone aboard? One moment, senor. Senor Evans? That's right. Come aboard, please. Uh, if I may help the lady. Phew. Oh. Uh, you can sure tell this is a fishing boat. You the captain on this tub? Oh, no, no, senor. No. I'm Ignacio. Deckhand. I helped to run the engine. I thought you looked a little young. Where is he? Uh, he went ashore for a minute, senor. Well, I'm ready any time he is. Here, Sonny, take my stuff below. Si, senora. Right away. Smart-looking kid. Oh, gosh. Is it only six? I'm sleepy. You'll wake up when we get going. Oh. Mm, smell that air. You know, honey, I think we're going to have fun. There must be a bunk somewhere. I'm going below. Oh, come on. Stay with me. No, I'm sleepy. Wake me up when we get there. Okay, but you'll be sorry. I'm going to start trolling as soon as we clear the harbor. Hey, senor Evans. There's the captain coming down the dock now. Oh, yeah? Now we get started, huh? Si, si. I read where the albacore are running. Well, it may be, senor. I uh, have only been working on the pelican for two days. We have some big white feather jigs you can troll with that. Swell. All set? Si, si, Captain Murray. Well, let's go, then. I'm Mr. Evans. The wife is below taking a nap. Hello. All right, let's cast off. All clear. Think this fog will lift? Might. Any idea how far offshore we might hit Albacore? There's no telling. Uh, how long do you figure for us to reach Catalina? Depends on the fog. Oh. Well, I guess I'll go get my outfit rigged up. Yeah, why don't you do that? Are you sure that feathers are the best lure for them? <laughs> I have caught many albacore with it, senor. If they're hungry, they will take. Uh, the season has been good. Well, hey, hey, stop the boat. Hey, strike, senor. Let him take it now. Give him line. Give him, give it to me. He's got it. Uh, count five, senor. Slow now. Slow. Now. Now, senor, strike. <laughs> that is a big one, senor. Well, a, hey, <laughs> hey, stop the boat. What's the matter with him? I want to lose my line. I can't hold him. Brace yourself against the rail. Go tell that fool captain to stop the boat, will you? See, see. Captain, it's straight. Senor, look out! The rail, I... Are you hurt, senor? No. Thanks. If you hadn't pushed me, I'd have gone over. I, I just can't understand the rail breaking that way. What the devil was Moran trying to do? We could have been killed. You tell him to stop, he speeds up? Well, maybe he didn't hear me. I want a few words with that joker. Hey! Yeah. Do you know I almost went into the drink? The rail at the stern broke. Well, that's too bad. I'll have to get it fixed. Yeah? What the devil were you trying to do? The kid yelled for you to stop. I'm sorry. I thought he wanted me to put about. Thought you'd lost your tackle. I down there lost my skin. If Ignacio hadn't been so quick on his feet... Sorry. <laughs> That's the way he said it. Just like he dropped ashes on the rug or maybe brushed you casually on the street. Sorry. That was dandy. I've wrecked your car, made love to your wife, strangled your mother, but it's okay, mister. I'm sorry. And that was all I got. He just turned back to the wheel and then something stuck in my memory. 
I kept thinking I'd seen the guy before. Never talked to him or met him. Somehow I knew him. I looked him over. Six foot one, black hair, the usual amount of face. I couldn't pin him down. I figured it was just one of those mental tricks, or maybe he looked like my Uncle Phil and let it go. I started aft when all of a sudden Claire came out on deck. She rushed to the stern, looked over, and then spun around and saw me. She had a strange look in her eye, and her face was as white as a seagull's wing. What's the matter? Are you sick? No, I... Yes, I think I'm seasick. There is a bit of a swell. Stay on deck, you'll feel better. No, I'm going to lie down again. Okay. Gee, you look pretty bad. Come on, I'll help you down. I'm all right. Go on back up. Whew. No wonder you feel lousy. The smell. Oil and dead bait. I'm not kidding. You'll feel better up Let there. me alone, will you? Hey, what's the matter with the engine? How should I know? Well, take it easy. Yeah, I'll take it easy. What's wrong, Moran? No, nothing serious. We'll be on our way in a few minutes. Yeah? Looks like the fire's getting thicker. Don't you think you ought to sound your horn? It's on the blink. Swell. This tub's in great shape. That'll do. Where's the kid? Ignacio. He's below, hunting down the trouble. Nice kid, you know. If it wasn't for him, yeah. I... Yeah. I want to give him something when we get off. You do that. Uh, I saw a couple of boils out there a minute ago. Albacore. Get your line in the water. Relax. It was a fine way to relax. Drifting in the Catalina Channel with no motor, no foghorn, and you couldn't see more than 20 feet out. I threw my line in and tried to forget it. And the way the albacore was striking, I almost did. After a couple of hours, maybe three, I'd had enough, so I folded up with my back to the bait tank and dozed off. When I woke up, we were still drifting and the fog was even thicker. Then I realized it was getting dark. I started to look for Moran. I felt something was wrong, something besides the motor. And when I heard their voices, I knew it. I can't. I can't. You don't have any choice. It'll be dark in an hour. I can't stall him with this bum motor gag much longer. Please. I don't get it. You come crawling to me with this big idea, so why get squeamish? He's worth a lot more dead than alive. Twenty grand, isn't it? I just can't do it. Now listen, baby, there's a lot of dough invested in the guy, and it's going to go through on schedule. We're going to trade one bullet for 20,000 bucks. There isn't any way of backing out. Autolite is bringing you Mr. Dan Daly in Over the Bounding Main. Tonight's production in radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense. And now, Autolite brings back to our Hollywood soundstage, Mr. Dan Daly in Elliot Lewis's production of Over the Bounding Main. A tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. I don't think I was scared. Not at first, that is. You can only take in so much, and then something in your mind shuts it off. I stood there in the fog and the darkness, and said, help me, the only thing I could think of was how the Warrens would take it when I didn't arrive at the Isthmus. Sounds crazy, doesn't it? 
Then from somewhere, a foghorn sounded off in the distance, and I came to like someone had thrown water on my face. I almost laughed at myself. The Warrens were probably playing canast over in Brentwood or drinking beer in front of somebody's television set. This fishing trip was Claire's idea, and the only thing she planned on hooking was a $20,000 policy on the life of Martin Evans. I moved away and toward the stern. I needed help now. And maybe there was somebody I could count on. That young deckhand, Ignacio. I found him, all right. Sprawl on his face in the bow, lying over the anchor. Kid. Ignacio. Hey. Wake up. Hey, kid. Wake up. Come on. He smelled like a distillery. I shook him, slapped him as hard as I dared, but he went right on sleeping. Captain Moran had taken good care of the only friend I had. With the mickeys poured into him, he'd be lucky if he ever woke up. Now I was good and scared. It was almost completely dark. Moran would be coming on deck, and then I remembered the gaff. The pole with a razor-sharp hook at the end. I'd used it to pull up the albacore on deck. I moved to the stern, quietly, feeling with my feet because I couldn't see now. And I tripped over something and fell on the deck. It was the gas. I grabbed it and got up. Evans? Evans? I know you're there. Evans? I couldn't see him and he couldn't see me. I moved silently around the deck in a crazy game of blind man's bluff. Just moving away from his voice and trying to think of a way out. Evans? Can you hear me? I heard him all right. His voice sounded muffled, as though the fog was a black hood closing off the world, like they drop over a guy's head on the gallows. Gallows. Rope. Rope. There was a coil of heavy rope on the forward deck. A coil of heavy rope on the forward deck. All right, Evans, you can't get very far. You getting tired, Evans? Want to go around again? Hear the foghorn, Evans? Well, you better listen to it. You won't hear anything else for a long time. You still have that gap, or do you drop it again? You can't see it, but I got a gun in my hand. Maybe we can make a deal, huh? Keep away from me! Ah, so Mr. Evans can talk. You won't get away with this? Oh, I think so. After all, is it my fault if a new deckhand I hire gets crazy drunk and shoots up the ship? He'll tell! He'll tell! Mutiny! Murder! No, he won't even remember it. Isn't it funny what liquor will do to a kid? Penalty for mutiny's a rough one. After all these years, the book still calls for hanging on the public dock. But maybe he can plead insanity, huh? And I'm sorry he had to kill you, Evans. You won't get me! You won't get me! Is he dead? Did he? He decided to swim for it. Well, that saved a lot of trouble. Awful. Yeah, 20,000 bucks worth of awful. The only thing I'm sore about is the lousy jerk won't be able to watch us enjoy it. I lay there quietly on the deck. I didn't breathe any more than I had to. I was about as safe as a turkey in November. 
If Lorraine should notice that missing coil of rope, it wouldn't take him long to figure out exactly what had made that splash in the water. He couldn't see any better than I could, but as soon as it got light, there I'd be out in the open without a prayer. And the only thing I'd gain was a few hours at the most. So I huddled against the rail and hung onto the fishing gaff, feeling like David might have if he'd have broken his slingshot just before he met Goliath. It gets cold out of the ocean, and the fog can soak through summer denims in a hurry. I started to ship. I had to clamp my jaws together tight to keep my teeth from chattering. But the cold did one thing. It seemed to free some of the fear out of me, and I started to think. I had it pretty well figured out. All except one thing. When I heard Clara Moran coming out on deck. Can't miss if you don't louse it up. Those cops are smart. One little angle where our stories don't match it. I'll just keep your head. Don't worry about me. This is important now, once more. Not again. Once I... more. Now, who heard the shot? I did. And? I rushed on deck to see Ignacio struggling with Marty. Ignacio had a gun. Ignacio had a gun. He and Marty fought. He hit the side. Marty went overboard. And our engine's dead. He just disappeared in the darkness, right? Can't we start back? Well, I gotta change some parts first. Make it look like the engine really was out. See? Every little angle counts. I wish it was over. And for Pete's sake, remember my name is Moran, and you never saw me until you got on board the Pelican. There's no way they can check. I don't even have a locket anymore. Good. I'm gonna fix the engine. As soon as it gets light, we'll head back to port. I had forgotten all about Claire's locket. But when she mentioned it, the last chunk of this puzzle dropped into the slot. And I wondered why I hadn't thought of it before. That crummy little locket, heart-shaped, with Claire's picture on one side and Lou Barris's on the other. The one she wanted to keep for sentiment's sake. Her first husband, Lou Barris, the guy I remembered from the picture. Captain Moran, that's who he was. It all figured. Lou scores a triple play. Gets his wife back with 20 grand in a purse and pays off Martin Evans with a one-way trip to the bottom of the ocean. And I couldn't think of any way to stop him. It must have been hours later, or minutes, when I thought of the dinghy. She was swinging from the stern about 25 feet off. Somehow in the dark, I found a line and was about to pull on it when I saw Claire come on deck. I didn't move. Claire, if you make a sound, I'll hook this gaff right through your throat. Marty. Yeah, return from the dead. And I haven't anything to lose. Pull on the rope. Pull on it. You and me are getting into the dinghy. All right. You had it all figured out, didn't you? But you forgot one thing. Lou has to marry you again to collect the dough. And if you're not alive... Marty, please. I'm sorry, I am. Give me that rope and don't move. I've been wrong. I know it. Sure. I'm glad you're all right. I've been wrong about us. Don't worry, I won't kill you unless I have to. You're my new insurance policy. Now, get over into the boat. I sure, can't. it's little and the ocean's big and we're going just Where? the same. Shh. Not a sound. Get in. Where? He's ready to go. Smooth and neat. As long as I had a gap at Claire's neck, Lou couldn't do a thing. His one bullet would cost him Claire 20,000 bucks and maybe his life. We drifted off a bit and I reached for the oars. But there weren't any. There weren't any oars. When I looked up, I saw Moran standing in the stern of the Pelican. Evans, I can see you. There aren't any oars, are there? That's right. 
But you try to shoot me and I'll kill Claire. You won't get away. Claire! She can't help you. Claire! I'm going to put him out. Don't worry. Want a chance for him, honey? Don't you understand? I'm sorry. I don't want you to die. I want to be with you. I was wrong. You bet you were wrong. You're going to find out. We're going to paddle. Paddle with our hands. If we can lose him in the fog, we'll be all right. Just remember, if he finds me, it's too bad for you. Now paddle. Get over on the side. Su- Look out. Look out. Now. She's tipping. Look out. You lost it. The gap. Yeah. I lost it. Now maybe you'll believe me. I want to help you get away from him. Sure, I believe you. But if he finds us, as soon as I see the boat, I'm going to knock you out and throw you overboard. That's how I believe you. Now, paddle. Claire! Claire! Stop paddling. Be quiet. Listen to me. Please. I love you. I'm on your side. I won't let him hurt you. Shut up. Evan! Evan! A patch of fog dissolved for a second, and in the darkness, I saw a darker shape. It was the pelican. I knew that Lou had seen us. I reached for Claire. (laughs) I felt a shoulder, then a neck. Claire! Are you all right? Yes. I wanted to hit her. Now. But I felt her neck. It was warm, and there was a little pulse under my fingers. He's lost the gap. She was telling him to shoot me, and suddenly it didn't matter anymore. Pelican loomed over us, and then Claire twisted away from me, and I didn't care. I was tired. All right, come on, Evan. Get up here. I want you found on deck. Give me a hand, Claire. Come on. All right, Evans. Get out of there. Get it over with. I'm staying. Give me the gun, Lou. Let me do it. Are you kidding? No. Give it to me. I hate it. No, baby. I'll do it. You better tie the dinghy on, then. I can't hold it. Yeah, hold the gun. Thanks, Lou. What are you Give me the rope, Marty. I don't want you to drift away now. I got out of the dinghy and stood on the deck looking down at what used to be Lou Barris. Claire handed me the gun and just stared at me. We didn't say anything for a long time. Fog's lifting. Yeah. It's getting lighter. I guess the sun will be breaking through soon. Do you believe what I told you before? Yeah, I believe you now. I'm sorry. I'll try to make it up to you. Sure. We better get going. We're going back to San Pedro? Yeah. I guess I can figure out how this thing runs. Marty, what about me? Uh... I've got to tell the police. Oh. Maybe it won't be too tough. I don't know. It's all right. It's better. Marty. Yeah? Do you still care? I mean... I was going to kill you back there, and I didn't. You figure it out.
If you enjoyed that golden age of radio production, be sure to follow The Riley and Kimmy Show. We feature old-time radio shows from time to time. We have archived episodes available right now on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. Some of them have old-time radio episodes on them. Please tell your friends about The Riley and Kimmy Show. Help us grow. Our social media links are available on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. That's R-I-L-E-Y and Kimmy, K-I-M-M-Y, dot com. If you friend, follow, and like us, we will friend and follow you back. Also, be sure to check out our website, events page, and our social media pages for updates where the Riley and Kimmy show will be appearing next. And we're available for your pop culture event and also those that are animal-based, about pets and animals, too. We have a spinoff show called Animal Special. So be sure to tell your friends about us. It's the Riley and Kimmy Show, the nerd variety talk show with daily pop culture episodes. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Find archive podcasts of the Riley and Kimmy Show at RileyandKimmy.com.